poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Tactical Tuesday on Chasing Poker Greatness with your hosts, Brad Wilson and John Chai. Welcome, my friend, to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. As always, this is your host, the founder of ChasingPokerGreatness.com, Coach Brad Wilson. And I'm once again joined by my Tactical Tuesday co-host, John. What are you doing, sir? How's it going? Not much. Just uh, excited to look at these two hands. We got a, we got a theme that uh, apparently we haven't covered yet or covered very often in our Tactical Tuesday journey, and that's bluff catching on the river. I'm a little right. surprised that that was one of our gaps, given that I feel like I do it a lot. <laughs> it's also one of the areas that you struggle with mightily. Just, uh, I think, biologically, bluff catching is something that is difficult for you for whatever reason. Bluffing and value betting, those two, much more intuitive. Bluff catching, much more unnatural for you. Yeah. I went through a phase recently where I, like, I just jammed all my bluff catchers on the river instead of bluff catching with them. And how'd it go? Turned out to be worse than just bluff catching. So <laughs> I've toned it down. <laughs> yeah. He tried to avoid the pain, but he could not. It's yeah. uh, maybe you just don't like, you know, calling on the river when you need to win more than 30% of the time. And you know that you're going to lose 60% of the time. You, you can't handle losing more often than you win. Yeah. Yeah. That could be it. Anyways, well, yeah. we'll see how I do. How was, how was your July 4th? You know, we took a week off. We, oh, right. We paused Tactical yeah. Tuesday. All good? Um, yeah, I had a good July 4th. I had a bunch of my fiance's family over to a new house, and we uh, we watched, like, the fireworks on the strip and just had a good weekend at the pool and ate good food and did an escape room, lots of fun stuff. What about you? You went to Kansas City? I did. I did. We spent time with family. I didn't know this. But apparently in Missouri, they spend more money on fireworks than any other state. And really? Yes. Wow. And it's, that's, that's legitimate. All weekend long, there were fireworks from like 5 p.m. until like midnight in the that's neighborhoods nice. around us. Like it was just like nonstop fireworks. So That's nuts. I can't believe it's like a, I don't know, I would have expected it to be like California or like Texas or something. something. It, it, a lot of things clicked in, in place. You know, my, my wife and I's anniversary is on July 4th. And now, now oh, it wow. all makes sense to me. Like, oh, I see. Good fire fireworks are a really big deal for people <laughs> in Missouri. Um, <laughs> it, it finally clicked. So, yeah, good time with family. No poker stuff. And now excited to get back. Tactical Tuesday, breaking down hands, raising wolves. Just all the things that I do all the time do it yeah let's do it so bluff catching here you have tens actually i don't think we looked at this specific hand in advance so yeah we didn't i'm uh in the dark here you can break down the action for the podcast listener i yep. so, skipping ahead on youtube action folds to the button who's a reg we're 100 big lines effective he opens 25 dollars. i three bet to 110 dollars. he calls everything looking pretty normal pre-flop um, mm -hmm. I think this flop is really where 
I think this this flop decision is really where like the rest of the hand is what the rest of the hand hinges on. Um, I start out with check. I think I could start out with bet. Uh, don't know if you have a preference for betting or checking. Um, I mean, as you said, you you can do either one. If you did bet, what size would you choose? Probably a big size, like half pot. Um, I know half pot's not huge, but that that would probably be like close to my bigger size, and my small size would be like a third. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm c betting out of position in three bet pot, so I probably would go half here and pick something like over pairs and um draws like hard draws or backdoor club type hands um that being said i do think like tens is one of the hands that does benefit from betting big i think like one of the more comfortable traps on the swap would be like a hand like aces that doesn't have, need to worry about overcards peeling on the turn in the river tens can still get value from like sixes sevens eights nines five x <clears throat> hands like six seven hearts themselves um and does benefit a little bit more from uh not letting like you know queen jack or king queen just be a free turn and river potentially yeah so some equity denial mm-hmm. and i think villains can call fairly wide even facing a half like you don't have a club which would be a, a lot of their continuing range um but w- what's the plan if you check and villain bets as they do right so I check villain bets third pot seventy dollars into two twenty five. Um, don't think the sizing is shocking. I think this is roughly the size that I would expect if I did see a flop float from from the imposition player. I think I should have check raised my overpairs and mm-hmm. plus draws in this spot. Um, I think that would be like the standard thing to do is just you know if you are doing something like range check um, on these boards have a have a you know pretty nice. It's pretty easy to find a check raise range with overpairs and know and hearts and stuff like that so um i think that's what i would normally do um i do remember that in this case um that this villain was had shown like a tendency to be really aggressive and just like barrel off in spots i don't remember if they were specifically spots where like he was starting out with a flop float and just tripling off thinking that i'm capped i think it was a spot where he was like the pre-flop three better and just like went bet 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 and like a single raise pot or a three bet pot Mm -hmm. um not that that you know. Not that that's like enough to just say like, oh, I'm I'm you know I'm gonna let him barrel off and just check call and like hope for good runouts with my pocket tens. I still think that check raising might be the better option here. Um, but uh, I did just check call flop, and again, I think that sort of sets the tone for the rest of the hand where I'm just really in just bluff catching mode with tens and hoping that he just barrels really inappropriately with you know just every every bluff that he has in this spot. Yeah, I think it's. Like check raising makes the hand much easier to play, I oh. think. Check calling. So basically through check calling, you're targeting the bluff region of their range. So like, like the zero equity bluff region. Cause like I would expect hearts to like call a check raise. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're not gonna have zero equity, right? Like even like as you said, sure, even sure. Queen Jack of Spades has, you know, twenty-five percent equity or so. So basically, like in general, I would think that you're going to call this bet on the flop. The turn um, is just going to be quite polarized. Their hands like sixes, sevens, eights, nines. They're not going to bet the turn. So like you mm-hmm. miss a bet versus their smaller over pairs. Mm-hmm. Um, versus their like nut flush draws, you're, they're probably not betting the turn. 
uh, I would expect them to like bet the turn maybe with like King Queen of Hearts or Queen Jack of Hearts, those type of hands. And then, you know, their backdoor clubs, that brick, they're just kind of like eight, nine suiteds that could be just airball potential. Um, and yeah, I, I guess like if you, if you start by check calling the flop, like on blank turns, it's pretty easy to just call and continue since they need to have some like, you know, ace four suited, uh, pocket fives, like that's the value region of the range. Maybe aces if they slow play those pre and there's just very few combos that they have of those and way more potential combos of like just hands that are trying to take aggressive actions. All right, right. I do think there are some zero equity hand, like a hand like eight, nine. Yeah. I don't know, seven, eight has a gut shot, but still that's... <laughs> that's not zero equity either, John. Yeah, that's, that's true, that's true. That's, they, got, they got like uh, a quarter, yeah, 25%. Yeah, yeah. Um, hard to have a zero equity hand, nine, nine, 10. I guess that's, that's kind of the one. Nine ten of spades. It's tough. Yeah. yeah. Um. So Trey on the turn connects. So I just want to talk about the flop decision. Like, yeah. Real quick. Again. Sure. Just kind of like, do you agree that like once I check call this flop bet, I'm I'm kind of committed to the love catching line and and likely not taking any aggressive actions unless the turn gets checked through and and maybe I valued at the river. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I I think that like when villain bets a turn, you're polarized. You've got a bluff catcher. You know no real reason to just jam into the nuts and let their, you know, blank cards off the hook. So like, yeah, once you start this path, this is the path that you're on. Yep. Okay. Uh, So they bet a third. You do decide to check call. Now there's 366 in the pot. The the flop was four, four, five, two hearts. Turn is the tray of diamonds. There's eight, 14 left. Um, As a reminder, John has pocket tens, so 10 of spades, 10 of hearts for the podcast listener. If I haven't said the hands or the board at this point, I apologize. Um, You have an overpair, turns a tray of diamonds, it connects with ace-deuce, connects with six-seven suited. Um, You opt to check, and villain bets 70%-ish. Or actually, sixty percent. They bet yeah. two two hundred one into three sixty six, leaving themselves six thirteen behind. So, if you call, there's going to be seven eighty in the pot and six thirteen back. Yep. Um, we pretty much laid the the blueprint, right? I yeah, assume. we talked about it on the flop. What what our plan for the rest of the hand is going to be? Yeah, so now it's just isn't going to change anything. Yeah, yeah. I, I think now it's just like pull the trigger, right? Like that's a. I think that's an important thing for the listener to internalize is like it's easy to change plans midstream because of one reason or another, but like you had your plan on the flop. Now it's just a matter of executing that plan um, without spazzing out and doing something ridiculous. <laughs> so you check call there's seven sixty eight in the pot. Dylan has six thirteen. River is the queen of clubs. So final board is uh, flop was four, four, five, two hearts, turn tray of diamonds, river, queen of clubs. Queen of clubs is a pretty nice card, I think, for us on the river because they're, you know, it reduces their backdoor clubs that may have stabbed the flop. Um, like king, queen of clubs, queen, jack of clubs, queen, 10 of clubs that maybe stab the flop and maybe stab the turn. Um, they jam, which is totally expected. And I guess it would be a pretty 
pretty sad bluff catching episode if you just folded the river, right? Uh, so you call and they have the eight nine of hearts. There you go. So he actually had one of those equity driven bluffs that I think his hand makes perfect sense to mm-hmm. play the way that he did. Um, yeah. So we yeah. don't learn much of anything about whether or not they're over bluffing here because they just have a totally appropriate hand yeah. that makes a lot of sense. But um, yeah, I mean, if you check raise the flop, you probably get stacks anyway. Maybe he just jams over the check raise. I was worried that like, I don't know. One thing I was thinking about was like, Oh, if I check raise this flop, Maybe nine, eight, nine of hearts just calls and then folds versus the turn jam. It's possible. It's possible. But eh, either way, we got the money. And now we're going to move on to bluff catch attempt number two. And um, I think number I two, num- number two is a good way to describe this, this next hand coming up. Ah. <sighs> <sighs> The decision to enter a hand is fundamental to poker strategy. Too tight, and they know what you have. Too loose, and you're easy to run over. Pre-flop bootcamp from Chasing Poker Greatness is a comprehensive guide to locking down your pre-flop game and creating true range advantage. Eight days of guided training, over 60 optimal ranges, and access to a dedicated community of players that will push your pre-flop game from a place of weakness to your greatest strength. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash bootcamp. Available now. Before bootcamp, I had been playing for maybe 15 years. Somewhat seriously, always trying to get better, jumping from learning program to different learning programs and training site to training site. Kind of feeling a little bit lost, not really knowing how to go about getting better. And Preflop Bootcamp just felt like a great starting point, a way for me to to move from being a losing player to, to possibly a winning player. It felt like the right first step. Once you jumped in Bootcamp, what was your experience like? Well, first off, I realized that I'd been making a lot of mistakes prior to boot camp, kind of learning what Rangers should look like and what hands should be played in what situations. You know, it was it was exciting because I, I could see what other people had been doing to me, what kind of what I had been missing in my game. And then from there, just the whole camaraderie of everybody that's um, signed up, working together, trying to achieve that goal. You know, that, that was fun. That's uh, pushing each other and really helping uh, one another, kind of feeling like you're a part of a team. It was, uh, it was a great experience. I, I enjoyed the process and I learned a lot. What was your experience like playing cards post bootcamp? It's a totally different experience. You know, it put me in a position to be successful as opposed to always being behind the eight ball and, and playing catch up. Um, I really feel like it's it's the foundation of, of a solid poker game. And uh, since boot camp, I've been able to, to turn a profit and keep building on what I learned there. You know, being able to go back into the group and uh, re- really work together even after boot camp was over, it's it's been awesome. What's your sample size of winning post boot camp? I think I have 70,000 hands played by now. You know, I'm a father and I have a job, so I'm not a, a professional player by any means. That's my sample size. Preflop Bootcamp is the flagship Chasing Poker Greatness training program. 
If you'd like to dramatically upgrade your preflop game, a new bootcamp launches on the last Saturday of every single month. The price is $199 and your link to join is ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash bootcamp. One more time, that's ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash bootcamp, all one word, or you can click through in the description box of this episode. All right. Welcome back from the number two break. We've got another hand locked and loaded. This one is uh, looks to be have a little more depth than the previous hand. You've got 2,600 in front of you playing 510 online. And the villain in question lives under the gun, who is starting with about 183 big blinds approximately. So to start out the action, they open men from under the gun. You three bet to mm-hmm. 100 Yep. with queens. They four bet to 270. All right, I'm already like, Pissing my pants right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. We actually, so this was the hand we wanted to talk about more than hand number one. And we tried to find a comparable hand in your database. And we just came up blank of like facing a four bet out of position at like close to 200 bigs deep. Um, because it's quite rare, and I guess that that's the reason why you're you're yeah. pooping your pants, right? Like at this depth, villain's gonna have, you know, it, they're gonna struggle to f- have enough hands to four bet with after opening under the gun, facing a three bet from the big blind, already a very tight formation, and now opening the action in position. It's just a thing; they they don't have much incentive to do it. And so right. like they need to have some bluffs, right? Like maybe some lower equity hands that aren't good enough to call with, like maybe an ace 10 off, something like that is what really needs to be in there. Um, and human- I think the solver, the solver bluffs in this spot, just looking at the bunker ranges are supposed to be like ace three suited slivers of like ace four, ace five suited, a little bit of ace 10 suited. That's about it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess I would prefer the suited hands at this depth over the offsuit hands. Um, interestingly, all of those hands include a very specific card, and that will play a role in the rest of this hand. So you opt to call, even though you've you've already pooped your pants. You know what I'm hoping for on this flop? I'm hoping that I just get to like check fold the flop somehow. No, Ace king like, deuce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, okay, okay. Thank God. Just get me out. Of, just get me, me out of here. Get me out of here. Get me out yeah. of here. You talked about escape rooms before. This is like your own personal <sighs> escape room that you're yeah. looking to get out of. Uh, the flop does you no favors. The flop is ace, queen, seven with the ace, queen of diamonds. So you flop middle set. There's 545 in the pot. SPR is three. You check and villain bets like a quarter. I'm like, I'm okay. I'm okay here. I'm like, you know what? He could have ace king. Like maybe he has like some ace five suited or like some ace sure, suited, sure. like the new three fours that we mentioned that just see about this flop small, probably mm-hmm, see about the mm-hmm. size with range. Like I'm I'm still, you know, I have a set. Like this is sure. We're, we're feeling we're, better than pre-flop. Yeah, we're we're feeling better. We we can stay in this escape room just a little bit yeah. longer. Yeah. 
Turn is the Jack of Hearts. In villain bets, little more than half pot. Yeah. So the board is Ace, Queen, Seven, Jack, and villain bets 444 or 445 Mm -hmm. into Mm -hmm. 837, leaving him 975 behind. If I call this, he'll have a little bit over half pot left. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm back to pooping my pants. (laughs) Let me out of here. I don't like it anymore. I hate this. I, I don't think villain ever bets. Any of his one pair ace x on the turn anymore? Definitely not for this size. I don't think he bets ace king. Doubt he ever bets like ace deuce three four unless it's like some fancy fancy bluff that pretty fancy. <laughs> uh huh. Super fancy. I think I should have folded here, which feels a little crazy folding middle set in a four bet pot. But yeah, the the village I, was crying for hero folds and. You had a prime hero fold opportunity to sate their appetite. But I just don't know if I'd be able to live. I don't think I'd show this hand to anybody, even if I correctly folded the turn. I would just be like, I just, I can't let the world know that I fold sets in format folds. I think that's a backwards way of thinking about it, to be honest. And I think it's, you know, this, this is like a, a learning opportunity, in my opinion, of like, the fact that other people might make fun of you for making a play that's above the rim is inconsequential because the only way to do things that other people don't do is just to do them like, and say, whatever, I don't care. I think this is a fold. Therefore I fold. Right. I think it's very safe. Not folding. Yeah. Yeah. Like no one's going to make fun of you for stacking off with a set. Exactly, exactly. But you risk, not only do you risk this 1400, which I think, I think the reality is the risk of being called dumb would hurt you more than losing the 1500. <laughs> like if me or Shu are just like, wow, you're an idiot. Why did you do this? Um, like, wow, I would have paid 1400 to not hear that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and definitely if they had like, some random hand here you would be oh my god you might never get out of bed so there there's always like that pain i think yeah. is actually more than the pain of just paying off in a set over set type situation yeah you can just shrug and be like well what a cooler and like move on with your life exactly but it takes the it takes real cojones to actually pull the trigger here and say like you know what i think this is the right thing to do and i'm gonna do it and whatever happens happens um, and I, I know this is going to like inflate your ego some, but you have the potential as a poker player to do things like this and get away with it because you hand read exceptionally well, your energy reads are on point. Um, <laughs> you know? be really hard to inflate my ego this, this hand. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you go the safe route, you go the safe route. Spoiler alert. It's a bluff catching episode. It's not a hero fold episode. John is not going to fold. But I mean, when you know that something is up and like they have one combo of hands in your opinion or three combos in this specific situation, you know, you gotta, gotta chunk it. I mean, King Kings is like the hand, right? I think Kings is the one hand that's like, 
do they turn Kings into a bluff trying to fold out what is most likely a set and, or top two? Like, there's just, I can't even, I can't imagine Kings betting the turn. Like, you would have to be some kind of crazy person. If somebody had Kings here, you should just tip your hat to them. Like, well done, sir. Yeah, no one ever has Kings here. <laughs> right. So, like, it's the bluffs are what's really difficult to find. And as a reminder to the podcast listener, the board is ace queen jack seven and you know when when we said like those sliver of ace x's come into play well ace five and ace four and ace ten are not betting the turn and Correct. so it's really hard to find the nat the bluffs yeah um so you don't jam so there's we, we got that going for us right you're <laughs> maybe i should have just jammed here i don't know you know maybe just just hope that he has like the the weird king five of diamonds that <laughs> I don't know. Sure. Sure. Yeah. If mean, it's not you, clear that I'm already like discombobulated. <laughs> yeah. You, you're, you're like the, the person that like stands, that's like terrified of heights and stands <laughs> near the rail and like, well, I should just jump. Let's get it over with. I can't live with this anxiety <laughs> yeah. of being afraid. I won't be I, scared anymore. At least I'll just yeah. be dead. <laughs> like, I just need that sense of relief. Um, <laughs> calling you like you you definitely just have to call um if you're going to continue and you check the river river's a deuce of clubs so no reprieve of anything no four liner no flush yeah. completer you no no superhero card to save you on the river you check there's 1700 in the pot filling jams 975 did you at least tank on the river or you just no i tanked on the turn like the turn was like where I was really like, okay, if I call this, like I'm probably not folding pretty much any river or like maybe, maybe I'll get the 10 of diamonds or the king of diamonds and like, it'll just go check, check on the river, please. Yeah. The queen like of hearts. Like that. Yeah, please, yeah, yeah, yeah. please queen of hearts. Just no, one. no, no. I, I don't even get that greedy. I just want the check, check. <laughs> Which is funny, right? Like you, you've already made the commitment on the turn. Like, well, this is my fate. <laughs> Villain jams the river, which even if they were doing something fancy on the turn, right? With an ace four, ace five, or I mean, if fancy's one word for it, I, I think I would use a different adjective. Like they're not going to jam the river. I can't imagine. So no. I do think the river is another data point. Well, they're not going to bet the turn. So it's like, what is, is the river actually a data point? Yeah. I wouldn't expect those hands to bet the turn ever. So I don't know. I mean, I really wish I fold, found the fold on the turn. Like it's, it's one of those rare times where like, I, I rarely make or even have like the, inc the inclination to make like a big fold like this, but on the turn, this was like one of the few spots, few times in my life where I was like, wow, like. Doesn't that mean something to here. you though? If you rarely want to make a hero fold and this is one of the moments where you thought you could. Like, shouldn't that be an indicator that like, oh, this situation is quite unique. <laughs> gotta, gotta be consistent. <laughs> all right, all right. We talk about this in Wolves all the time, playing consistently. <laughs> yeah, I just talked about it in the first hand of playing, having a plan and being consistent about it. Sometimes, sometimes in this world, people will take one specific action with only one specific hand and that's just the way it is. Um, I think anybody in the audience is curious about what Under the Gun has at this point? I think, yeah, that would be like the, the perfect way to end the episode, right? You just call just the river and you win. 
<laughs> well, you do call the river. Uh, you do not win. They do have a set of aces, which yeah, it smelled like aces. It walked like aces. It it, it was just aces. Yep. But at least you still have your pride. And I guess yeah. from there, <laughs> you still have your pride and self-belief and confidence. <laughs> but uh, to, close out, yeah. to close out the episode, I just want to say, like, you're capable of doing things that I think few people are capable of and just fucking do it, man. And, like, honestly, the, the thing that gets judgment from my side is when you're capable of doing something and you just don't. That yeah. to me is or like... Or you know you should do something kind of off script and, and you still don't do it. Yeah. I think like it's just... Oh. It's, it's one of those soul read type situations where like a soul read is just recognizing in real time that villain only has one specific hand in their range that they would play yep. in this exact way, right? That's the definition of a soul read. And sometimes that's things just set themselves up in a very perfect way where, you know, yeah, you can make those reads. And when you get those opportunities where things are set up perfectly and I've played hands and asked myself the question on the river, what bluffs do I have? And the answer is shit, (laughs) hardly any. Um, it's really hard to find them, you know, and I'm sure you have as well. Yeah. So anyway, all right, we're going to, we'll call this episode of tactical Tuesday. Good stuff. Maybe one of these days we'll have a hero fold episode, but it, you know, maybe 2030 or 2040. It'll be a different Tactical Tuesday co-host. It won't be me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to keep calling the river every time. Uh, One day we'll splice together all these would-be hero folds for Max max Payne effect. Yeah, I'd like to see the graph for those hands. Yeah. Minus 300,000 big blinds for 100. (laughs) Yeah. All right, man. Well, good stuff as always. Good being back at it. That's all I got for this week's episode of Tactical Tuesday. See you next week. Thanks for listening to Chasing Poker Greatness. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com to get the newsletter. Join the Greatness Village community. Book a coaching session or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.